Welcome back, everybody, to the Tomatolito Show. And uh, let's talk Demetrius Andre. Demetrius Andre stopped Jason Quigley, a Jason Quigley who ended up going uh, basically the distance and and, and having a, a good back-and-forth fight against Shane Mosley Jr. Ends up getting stopped in only two rounds uh, against Demetrius Andre. Um, of course, you were able to see the, uh, the difference and... In punching power, the difference in level of uh, a fighter uh, that Demetrius Andre is versus uh, Quigley—they're just at different levels. They're at different stages in their career. They're at, they're at different levels, and um, and Demetrius Andre is definitely uh, a better, more polished uh, professional fighter than Jason Quigley is. Um, if you were to rate these guys, Demetrius Andre is definitely uh, an A-level fighter uh, in. In the middleweight division, where Jason Quigley would probably be a C-level fighter, uh, why was Demetrius Andre fighting him? This is not a tune-up. This is not a um, a stay busy fight for him. But although it comes across that way, it's definitely not intended to be a stay busy fight for him. This is actually a the opposition that's available for him. That's been the issue with Demetrius Andre's career. He looks good. He remains undefeated. He retains his title. But he's unable to get the big names. You saw him earlier this year at the post-fight press conference uh, after Canelo defeated BJ Saunders. He tried to get himself in there and try to land a fight with Canelo by exchanging words and going back and forth with Canelo and his team. That Those moments went viral. He was about to have a fight with BJ Saunders uh, a while back. I think it was 2019 or 2020. I think it was 2019 uh, when it was going to happen. And... That fight ended up falling through uh, because BJ Saunders ended up having some issues on his side. So he resorted to fighting someone else. Uh, the best opponent that Demetrius Andre has had in his career uh, maybe years ago was Vane's Matarosian, which would be the most notable uh, of fighters. But uh, but then again, it was somewhat of an easy fight for Demetrius Andre, where he displayed his power really good in that fight. Uh, another Good name and good opposition, solid opposition would be Masiech Suleki. Uh, Andre also defeated him. And all in all, well, he remains undefeated. He, he's a title holder. He's a WBO title holder at 160 and continues to be unable to land a big fight. And not just a big payday type fight, but a big unification fight a title unification fight in that within that division he's called out triple g he's called out jamal um he just can't seem to land the big name where's danny jacobs danny jacobs is the one that's uh the outlier here um i think danny jacobs and demetrius andre would be a really really good test for demetrius andre to see if he's at that level, at that at that level of great fighters, uh, a, a, a Danny Jacobs who came off a subpar performance against Gabe Rosado um, late last year, uh, a fight that Gabe Rosado thought he he won and did enough to uh, to have gotten the decision, but of course Danny Jacobs got that decision. A Danny Jacobs who also beat a Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Um, a, a year prior to that, so. Danny Jacobs hasn't been facing the the best of opposition either, but he has in the past. He's been in the ring with Canelo. He's been in the ring with Triple G. He's been in the in the ring with Deverachenko. Uh, these are fighters that I would like to see Demetrius Andre with and against if he can't get 
the Charlo if he can't get the Triple G. What's the current state uh, in the in the 160 division? Andre holds the WBO title. Uh, the WBC champ is Jamal Charlo, and we saw him in a really, really good fight earlier this year in which he had several obstacles, adversity presented itself, and several personal questions that he had to answer and overcome himself, personal challenges during that fight because the fight got harder than he expected, and he had to dig in and find that will and that heart to continue in that fight because his opponent just wasn't giving way. He was not going to stop. He was not going to stop coming forward. And Jamal Charlo answered the call beautifully and ended up coming away with the decision win there. Um, he holds a WBC title. And then we have the WBA in Riota Murata. And the IBF is Triple G. I had a quick blank moment there. So Triple G and Ryota Murata are going to be facing off against each other at the close of this year. December 29th is when they're set to face off against each other. So they're going to unify titles. How do we rate the four champs? We have, I would put Jamal Charlo at the stage in which they are in their career. Obviously, the resume would be one thing that you could argue uh, about. But we, the last time we saw Triple G, uh, Triple G hands down would by resume would be just because of his fights with Canelo and Danny Jacobs and Deverichenko, those fights alone would get him into the number one spot. Those fights alone are a better resume than what the other champs have uh, to to support them, to support their claim. Just those fights alone. Because other than that, we have Steve Rolls and Curtis Stevens and uh, David Lemieux, I think. Did he beat David Lemieux? I don't know. I know he beat Gabe Rosado. Uh, Macklin, I mean, Triple G doesn't have the most solid uh, resume, but his issue was different than what Andre is experiencing. Fighters didn't want to step into the ring against Triple G because of how hard he hit and they were bound to get destroyed. Daniel Gale, uh, Macklin, who else got in there with them? Um, Kel Brook ended up having his orbital bone broken. And then the other orbital bone ended up being busted up by Errol Spence when he faced them. So really, really opposite, polar opposites here. Triple G had trouble getting people into the ring with him. But now that he's older, people are calling him out. He's on the second stage, maybe latter stage of his career. And he's been there for the last couple of years. Yet he's still really good. He's 39, about to be late 39, about to be 40 in the next couple months. So a unification bout against Ryota Murata, we'll see if we see a steady Triple G that we saw against Camille Sermetha last year, or if it's going to be a faded version of Triple G, which is what everybody's expecting to see. Ryota Murata, not the most strategic, not the most um, defensive, uh, able fighter. I guess, uh, or, or refined boxer, I should say. He's a come forward, uh, kind of, uh, kind of like a Jaime Munguia of old, where he comes forward, he has power to, to back up his, uh, his output, but doesn't have the greatest defense. He does get touched up. It's his height, his lankiness, and his pressure that usually carries him through the fights and why he's found, managed to find success to date. He, if Triple G, 
shows up. The same Triple G that fought Camille Cerameta. If that Triple G steps into the ring, he's going to pick Ryota Murata apart and it's going to be a bloody mess. If it's a faded and, and even further faded uh, triple version of Triple G that we see, then Ryota Murata might very well pull off a shocker, unify titles, and we might see Murata against Andre or Charlo in 2022. Now, something that just took place uh, this week, as, as we're starting this week, was that Eddie Hearn has petitioned to the WBC to um, to recognize Andre as the number one challenger for for Jamal Charlo, which would be awesome if the WBO and the WBC could work this out. This will be something that the fans will be grateful for. It will be something that will bring even more notoriety to those organizations and more respect because this is a fight that should have happened before. It should have happened this year and it continues to fall through. If they're able to make this fight happen between Charlo and Andre, and there's a storyline there where both these fighters don't like each other and they continue to go back and forth. They see Andre as an, I mean, he definitely is. He's an awkward fighter. Andre is almost like um, he's on the best way I could I could put Andre would be like a, like an old video game. Uh, he's an old character from a video game. That's that style of fighter. The the button mashing days is what I'm referring to, like a Street Fighter or a Mortal Kombat. Andre is like you hit start and you just keep bashing X. And you just keep bashing that X button over and over. And even though it's the same punch and they're telling you like, stop doing that. Stop doing it. You're just button mashing, button mashing, button mashing until you get the knockout. He's awkward. He's tall. He's, it's very unconventional the way he fights. And, uh, and it's, it's just different when it's, it's, there's nothing traditional or orthodox about the style of fight that he brings his punches come from different angles he does seem to carry a heavy punch and um he delivers it well so he's been able to put a lot of opposition away because of the the power that he carries but again the level of opposition has been um it's it's a lighter level of opposition that he's faced with the exception of a few names because he can't seem to get anybody uh of note to step in the ring with him. He's not the most avoided fighter. Triple G was the most avoided fighter. He's just the most ignored. People look at him and they're like, eh, let's go after Charlo. That's where the money's at. Let's go after Triple G. He's older now. That, You know, that that's how they're seeing Andre. And that's how the majority of his career has been. So best of luck to Andre. Good win for him again. The state of the 160 is basically what we just been covering. Uh, also, Jaime Munguia, just uh, a week prior to Andre's victory, Jaime Munguia was in a fight against Gabe Rosado, which was a fan-friendly fight. Jaime Munguia had a rough year. He was supposed to have fought Masir Suleki. He was the mandatory challenger for Demetrius Andre. They decided to go a different route, and it looked like they were starting to groom Jaime Munguia towards Triple G. They wanted to get him into that European-style fighter uh, to experience against uh, what the European-style fighter is like. Masir Suleki was supposed to fight him in April. That fight fell through, got moved to June. Masir Suleki pulled out. 
Within weeks of the fight taking place, Demetrius Ballard was going to be the stand-in. Demetrius Ballard fought on the undercard of Jaime Munguia as well. He was supposed to be the stand-in fighter. And then he ends up getting an elbow injury, if I remember correctly. And enter Camille Sarameta, who was the last or the previous opponent, last opponent, the Triple G, that we saw Triple G active with. And the Polish fighter... Again, a diminished version, uh, light opposition, uh, very inexperienced. Triple G picked them apart in eight rounds, if I remember correctly, before the fight was stopped. And Jaime Munguia ended up besting, uh, that, that stoppage by one round. And he ended, uh, he ended Camille Sarameta in seven rounds. If I remember correctly, maybe it was nine to eight or so, but he managed to stop Camille Sarameta one round prior to what Triple G was able to do against that fighter. That alone, seemed like it was it was the perfect segue for a Jaime Munguia Triple G fight to be announced. That's what Jaime Munguia wanted. That's what they've been asking for. And on on the undercard of that of that event was Gabe Rosado beating um Bektir Melikuziev, the, the bully Beck. And Rosado, who's now training with Freddie Roach, ended up uh knocking out the prospect, the hard hitting prospect. He ends up knocking him out and and looking good and calls out Jaime Munguia at the conclusion of the fight. No stakes, just a a good old classic uh, showdown between two fan-friendly fighters and no titles on the line. I mean, there was minor titles on the line and whatever, different versions, but it, that, that's not what it was about. It wasn't a rank type fight. Uh, it wasn't a, a fight that was going to have ranking implications or title implications. It was just a fan-friendly showdown between two fan-friendly fighters. And it was. Jaime Munguia, this was the fifth time that he stepped into the ring uh, with Eric Morales uh, as his trainer. The famed El Terrible Eric Morales, the legend that he is uh, and the amazing fighter that he was. He's molding Jaime Munguia into a better boxer and a better, more uh, more versed boxer than what he was. Jaime Munguia, like I mentioned earlier when, when describing Ryota Murata, uh, Jaime Munguia was a decent boxer with good punching power, but whenever he saw or he tasted blood, he was, he was hunting after his opponents. Punches and bunches from all angles, fully exposing his face, and, uh, and he would get touched up a lot, he would get hit a lot, and he would get cut. Because he was getting caught, he would often get caught off guard. Yeah, and and Morales is, seems to be uh, fixing those issues. The version of Jaime Munguia that we saw against Gabe Rosado was a very refined version, and the most refined that I've seen Jaime Munguia as a whole, as a fighter. He's got good defense. His defense has gotten way better. His guard is getting a lot better. His movement is getting a lot better. He's actually utilizing a wider stance. He's veered off to the right, and now he's able to lead and follow through with two, three punch successions uh, during his attack, and he's his punch placement's getting better as well. He, hands down, this was a one-sided fight. 
It was a landslide fight. Uh, it was a decision win for Jaime Munguia. Very good moments throughout the fight where either fighter looked like they could have dropped the other. Uh, they, it was that type of action fight. Not a fight of the year candidate, but it was very entertaining at that. Jaime Munguia uh, was definitely the better fighter from the opening bell to the closing bell with Rosado having several, uh, several key moments there and uh, favorable moments uh, for him throughout the fight. But Jaime Munguia was definitely um, in control in that fight, and he boxed beautifully. This is the best version of Jaime Munguia that we've seen. With that said, he passed up on the chance to have fought Demetrius Andrade. Maybe a smart choice at that time. Uh, this version of Jaime Munguia, I would like to see him against Demetrius Andrade. I think he could definitely pose a lot of threat and a lot of problems for Demetrius Andrade. He comes forward, he invades your space, and he's putting his punches uh, together very, very well. No lunging, no hitting anybody uh, with a forearm. He's very careful in what he's delivering now and very accurate. And that's the effect that Eric Morales has had on Jaime Munguia. That Jaime Munguia against Rosado is levels above the Jaime Munguia of last year. And it's levels above the Jaime Munguia that we saw against Camille Cerameta. And that was just a few months back. That was back in June. They continue to do great work and they're working well together. They seem to be meshing and... And he's listening. He's absorbing all that knowledge from Eric Morales. And he's looking better and better each time out. Let's see what happens with him. Because we don't know if Jaime Munguia is going to end up uh, fighting Deborichenko in what would be a WBC uh, eliminator uh, to become the number one contender. Uh, or if he's able to get himself uh, a fight in, against Andre, who's always looking for good opposition. Jaime Munguia, the reason he has uh, the options available to him is one, because he's got a big following. He's been able to create a big following uh, and he has a good promotional team behind him. Not that Eddie Hearn isn't, but Eddie Hearn just can't do anything with Demetrius Andrade as if Andrade was with Dela Hoya or with PBC, we would see him a lot, a lot more and possibly with even bigger names. So that's the issue where Andrade is at. Jaime Munguia right now, I think, would pose problems for Demetrius Andrade. I don't know if he could beat him. Uh, I would, obviously, I, it, it's hard to say if Jaime Munguia would beat Demetrius Andrade uh, right now, but I think he would definitely uh, give him a run for his money. And, um, and, it, and should he win, he would have his work cut out for him. Uh, I'm not dismissing what Jaime Munguia could do. I really like the version of Jaime Munguia that I recently saw. And the, I don't see Demetrius Andrade improving from fight to fight. He's just very consistent. He's not deteriorating either. He's just very consistent. One thing that I appreciate about Demetrius Andrade is that he's able to continuously get up for camp for... No names. And I don't mean this. I know it comes across disrespectful. I don't mean this in a disrespectful manner to Quigley or anybody else that he's facing. Liam Williams, all the other opponents. That, these are these are fighters that where he's at and at the stage in the career and where he's at and being a champion. These are fighters that he shouldn't be facing. Those fighters should be facing each other. So... I appreciate that about Demetrius Andre that he's he's always in shape. He's a true professional. He shows up 
He answers a call when he needs to answer it, regardless of who's across the ring from him. He doesn't care. He just goes in, he does his job, and because he's doing his job consistently well, he's able to put away the opposition, the lighter opposition that's offered to him and that's been available for him because they're not at that level. He's a good fighter on the verge of becoming a great fighter in that middleweight division should he get that name. That name opponent. Charlo, he's in that great status already. Uh, just the way that their boxing is, just the way that they're, that they approach the game. I, I see Charlo right now as the best middleweight with Andre, possibly second. Triple G should be first, should be second. But by age, I'm aging him into third place, and Ryoto Murata would be the uh, the in last place of the four champs that are available right now. Um, I can't wait to see how the landscape there in the middleweight division plays out. Very interesting. But Jaime Munguia, really good showing in the middleweight division. And a week later, Demetrius Andrade, uh, again, stops his opponent and is consistent with the body of work that he's been able to put, even though it's been lighter opposition, the body of work, the proof of work that he's able to to uh, put forth is is commendable uh, on the Andre side. Eddie Hearn petitioning to the WBC would be ideal if Suleiman is able to honor that. Uh, that petition will have Demetrius Andre and Charlo uh, sometime in the first half of 2022, which would be amazing if we could do that. The fact that Jaime Munguia has a big following, a big um, uh, a big fan base, he's able to get himself into any of those fights at the at the request, just at the mere request, because it's a payday. Who doesn't want that payday? So interesting the way that the the 160 division is uh, is forming itself. The one big question that, that I want answered is where the hell is Danny Jacobs and where does he fall into all this? Because he's got the name and he's got the resume to where he could skip people in line to, to get himself into a big name fight, whether it be a rematch with Triple G, which that's if Triple G comes out victorious, then all of a sudden he gets a rematch with Triple G. If Ryota Murata was to win, Danny Jacobs could skip the line and fight Ryota Murata. I'm sure the WBA would allow him. He's formerly represented the WBA. Um, if he was to get himself into a fight with Andre, Eddie Hearn would make it in a heartbeat. If he was a, that would be another big name for Andre, aside from Masir Suleki, that he could get on his resume. Um, that's, that's, that's the one question, the, the outlier question for me. Where is Danny Jacobs and how does he fit into this whole picture? Out of the four champions, that's how I see it. And, uh, and I'll eat my words if Triple G just dismantles Ryota Murata and seems to, uh, show flashes of old, um, of years past, uh, in his upcoming fight against Ryota Murata. And let's wait and see what the WBC says to Eddie Hearn with that petition of sliding Andre into the number one spot. For the WBC so he could challenge Charlo. Jaime Munguia, keep your eye out on him. I don't know if he's going to end up fighting Devorachenko or if he's just going to move right into one of these big fights, but I'm sure Golden Boy is waiting to see what happens with the Triple G fight come uh, the end of the year. So very good, very good fights. Um, 
I'm going to go ahead and put an episode out uh, in which I'm going to talk about the undercard because the undercard for Andre, this undercard with Andre and Quigley was stacked. There were several fights that took place in this undercard uh, with big implications within the respective divisions of those um, of those uh, respective fights that I'm talking about. So big implications that took place. Uh, Murajan was one that was the the... The, somebody who fought on this undercard for Andre, uh, Kelly Rice, uh, is another one that, that fought on the undercard. Julio Cesar Martinez, Ray Martinez, he was also on one of the recent undercards. So there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting fights that have taken place recently. Terry Harper, Alicia Baumgartner, uh, Kit Galahad with Kiko Martinez. These are, these are cards that I want to talk about. Um, and I'll put a whole episode dedicated to all those. Uh, because they're, they're basically affecting each one of those divisions and, uh, and the landscape within those divisions, uh, as it pertains to the champions. So those are really interesting. Uh, I'll put an episode out on that. And, um, and that's it. We got in a few days time, we'll have, uh, we could look forward to Brendan Figueroa against Stephen Fulton. Uh, that's going to be in the 122 division. That's a unification bout. Big, big fight. That should be on Showtime. Teofimo Lopez and George Cambozos. They've been delayed four or five times. Who knows how many times. The fight is finally coming to fruition. As of right now, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. There's several days left before the weigh-in. And, uh, and for the fight to actually happen, hopefully no last-minute scares or pullouts. Uh, but that's a big fight that's coming up this week. Delfimo Lopez against George Cambozos. Um, we've been waiting for that fight. That's going to be interesting. I'll put an episode out uh, for those fights in a, in a preview manner or post, uh, depending on how the schedule goes this week uh, for me personally. Other than that, thank you guys again. Thank you for all the support, for the continuous love. Um, a lot of good stuff going on in the world of boxing. It's been a crazy, crazy year for boxing and definitely a jam-packed second half of the year uh, of 2021 for the world of boxing. Very entertaining. Nothing to complain about. I mean, holy crap, we get good fight after good fight after good fight. And one big fight that I'm going to touch base on, uh, on maybe I'll do it on that episode, is a fight that I never put a... There's two fights that I want to do. Um, three fights, <laughs> I guess. I'm going to dedicate an episode to the heavyweight division um, as we get closer to another heavyweight showdown here because I didn't get a chance to put out an episode for Wilder Fury, uh, even though I did get to see those fights. Uh, Usyk Joshua, uh, that's another one. So I didn't forget about those. I just wasn't able to get around to it. And my apologies for that. But I'll put an episode dedicated to the heavyweight division and its landscape, the way that's playing out. Um, and, uh, and another one was, uh, one of my favorite fighters, Jamel Herring. Uh, he ended up succumbing to, um, to Shakur Stevenson, relinquished, relinquished his title, his WBO title at 130 pounds to Shakur Stevenson. And that just happened, uh, a couple months back. So, so I'll go ahead and, uh, and, and, and touch on that fight as well. That's a, that's a really interesting division for me. Um, and, uh, and that was a big fight as well. So those are fights that, that I wasn't able to, uh, to touch base on, but we're, we're slowly getting back on track. It's been, it's been interesting these last couple of years, uh, with a lot of obstacles and a lot of challenges that continue to present themselves, but we continue to push forward and, uh, and with your support, hands down, hands down the best small fan base, but the best fan base, uh, that anybody could ask for. Thank you guys for the continued love and support. And, um, 
and we'll continue, continue to keep your eye out for, uh, for the upcoming episodes. Take care of yourselves. Have a good day.